So uh, this is the latest episode of Dialogues on Applied Channel Theory. And today, um, uh, we will I will be talking to, or it'll just be a discussion between me and uh, Dr. Wang's other apprentice, Yafim. I cannot pronounce, I've never been able to pronounce Yafim's last name, so I won't try. But uh, Yafim, your last name <laughs> is pronounced. Uh... Please don't say my last name unless you can pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to try. I don't even want to try. Okay. It's a nice uh, name I, that I have never been able to pronounce for like 14 years. Um, <laughs> so Yafim is in Portland now. He's kind of like a wandering acupuncturist. I think every few years you're in a different part well, of the world. Years, maybe five to ten years? Like every time I talk to you, you're somewhere else. <laughs> But really, we are splitting time between Portland and Washington. Uh, we're in process, my wife and I, getting our licenses in mm -hmm. Oregon State so we could continue to work, start working in Oregon. Yeah. Right. And you're teaching at SIAM too, is it? Or is it that? So I actually stopped teaching at SIAM uh, last year. Oh, okay. And you've been teaching classes in San Francisco or, or something? Uh, yeah. I did, so I did the last. Uh, my last uh, class in San Francisco was the beginning of the pandemic, like April, early April. So um, I was part of a doctoral program, so I taught in doctoral doctor program for a few years. And I think I just taught my last doctoral class that changed the program. So the program I was teaching in is not going to exist anymore. It's going to be, you know, in the United States, the movement is to become, to have a doctoral program as part of regular education. So yeah, I told, uh, that was really interesting. What was the course on the doctorate program? Was it on channel palpation or channel examination or channel theory? Or? Uh, of course, I mean, the program was uh, taught in the program on pain management. And of course, I, you know, if you're going to do anything with me, you have to study channel palpation. So uh, as an introduction to before we did anything, we did introduction to channel palpation, you know, normal stuff we do. And then I did pain and you know two okay. courses pain management or something and complex pain disorders or something oh care of extremities so it was really dovetailed really well to channel palpation which is great oh that's awesome and for a lot of people was it their first time hearing about channel palpation or many and what did they think about what you were teaching quite a few people were very interested okay. they also other people had a hard time um believing that you don't have to do many, many points, especially not to do lots of local points, you know, because I normally, uh, you know, concentrate on distal point. So, okay. uh, uh, so we had to do clinical theater. I would see patients that are like, are you going to put some points locally? And I would say, well, let's just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Your favorite, your favorite, uh, you love saying that. I love saying uh, that. <laughs> let's see what happens. Well, I actually see, well, um, Depends. That's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's your. It depends. Yeah, yeah. I remember you saying that to a lot of uh, students in Beijing. They would ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> People love that hearing that answer too. Oh, I'm I think. sure. It's really annoying. I'm sure. <laughs> I really mean it. So I was just thinking today that, like, um, back in the late '90s, you were the one that were you the one that introduced, like, who brought Jason and all those students to listen to Dr. Wang lecture? You're, like, were you the one that first heard about Dr. Wang lecturing in yeah. California, or how did it, it work? Happened. Yeah, it happened separately. You know, I was teaching in uh, 
ACCCM, and Jason was a student there. And Dr. Wong at the time was in Santa Cruz and he started doing CU classes. And one of my colleagues, Dr. Uh, Dr. Shen, remember Susanna Shen? We were friends at work. And she's like, oh, this great doctor is coming, you know, from China, you should go uh, see him. I was like, Santa Cruz? I'm not sure if I want to go to Santa Cruz. And then um, Dr. Wu, who was a really great teacher, older teacher, older. She was my, uh, my age now, <laughs> then now, but back then she seemed older. She was really experienced and well-respected. She's like, oh, Dr. Wang is great. And she goes, I'm gonna see him. And I was like, oh, well, I'm gonna go too. And so I think the Jason, a bunch of his friends, went independently of me. And I went with uh, Deborah Buddy. Uh, she came on the first trip to New York. She was one, she was my uh, uh, colleague at the clinic. We worked together at the clinic. We went to see Dr. Wong. And a bunch of teachers went, students went, and we got really interested. So I took a few seminars at that time with Dr. Wong. Do you remember what seminar, what the seminars were on or why you well, liked them so much? Or? Well, it was so different. Uh, you know, the channel palpation and just the depth of ex the explanation of some of the uh, basic theory and physiology. You know, I, I, to this day, physiology is my favorite thing to talk about. And it was really, I was really kind of captivated by it. Um, and, you know, Dr. Wong, as you know, has an incredible way of uh, communicating information. He's funny. He's in, he was interesting. He also was young, a lot younger, so it's so much energy. And um, Yeah. Did he have gray hair then, or was it um, you know, white? <laughs> or? Forever. I, I, you know, he had gray hair, but uh, it wasn't as white as it got later. And in my eyes, since I've seen him consistently for many years, it was hard to, it's like, he's not getting older, you see? I don't think so. <laughs> it was hard to tell. He seemed pretty like stable, I think. <laughs> yeah, until he got sick, he really stayed pretty. He yeah, was great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, that was interesting. And then I try, you know, try to use some of the stuff um, in the clinic and then I had to re rethink the way I approach certain things. But really, it wasn't until we came back to China that I really, that palpation really cemented in my brain. It became something I did all the time. When was that? That was like early 2000s or? Early 2000s, yeah. Uh, I think the first trip was doing SARS. Okay. Because we were, we were staying in, uh, in the hospital. We were actually living in the hospital in Beijing during SARS. The Tibetan hospital, which I don't think is there anymore, right? I think it's there. It's still there. It's still here. That's where I had my uh, medical licensing exam was in the Tibetan hospital. That's a cool hospital, though. I don't. Yeah. I mean, cool hospital, but yeah. <laughs> and um, I guess we'll I, we'll talk about these times again in the the future because I think that the whole like uh, 2003 period was. I heard a lot of the good stories about that from you know. Jason, Dr. Wong. I've heard some stories from you too. Um, yeah, it's interesting since we're in pandemic uh, again, just kind of uh, thinking back and SARS and my cavalier attitude about it. It's like, oh, it's fine. And having uh, living through this pandemic and kind of, uh, and have also uh, reflecting back on my, I'm a lot older now, being like, wow, I should have taken that a lot more seriously. Right. I, I remember Dr. Wong was saying that he was giving you guys all like Moxa and Do 14. And... Yeah. He needed at one point, he needed a whole group, along 5, 3, 9, everybody. 
but everyone was okay. Like no one got SARS at no, that time. The only person that seemed to be sick, who knows if she had SARS or not, uh, was somebody, uh, I'm not going to say a name, but it's a colleague of ours that was living in Beijing. And so she had this cough that went on, but she is fine. I mean, she, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So the main thing that we wanted, I uh, wanted, or what we were discussing that we wanted to talk about for for your first uh, discussion on this podcast was your about your trips to Guatemala. So I was wondering if you just can tell me or everyone about your trips to Guatemala. What you've been well, doing there? Well, the uh, well for the past since two thousand twelve. We've been going to Guatemala and treating indigenous people in Guatemala with acupuncture, doing what's called jornadas, setting up jornadas, and then um, treating a lot of people. And the first trips, we would treat upwards of 1,000 people in five days. So it's about, and we brought, um, uh, past years, we've done less. We've changed the way we're doing that. Uh, but we would set up this huge camp, and we would see we have 20 people that come with us, students and licensed practitioners, and we do treatments on lots of people all at once, doing uh, doing and teaching ear acupuncture and doing full treatments. And uh, yeah, and then once we moved to a different place in Guatemala, the Jornadas became smaller, but we were able to see people five days in a row. So the same person could come back uh, three times or five times. So it could make an actual real difference. As when you see somebody once, um, you could help them with pain or something right then, but it's hard to actually treat something. So it's actually even, even better. So you were palpating all of these patients? You were, uh, you were yeah, so I, uh, I'm going to answer it, John. Of course, you know the answer, but I'm, I'm going to answer it the way I answer anybody who asks me. I always get these questions. What happens if you're really busy? What happened if you, do you, do you palpate? And I ask uh, other people, well, when you're really busy, do you take a pulse over the tongue? And the answer will be like, well, of course. Well, my answer is of course. I, of course I palpate, I palpate everybody. Uh, I like putting hands on people. I think frequently, at least in the United States, not just United States, people don't put hands on patients enough. So yeah, of course, yeah, everybody, I used to call it palpation and speed. Okay. Because you have to work fast, and I love working fast. And if you, back in the first trips, I really mostly treated, um, and, we, and so we have four tables, and I have an assistant. And, and How many patients were you seeing per hour? It's hard to say. You know, when I was just seeing, it's hard to say. But you go, you have four patients, I would quickly go around, and I needle, have students, I would write time on the table, students behind me would take needles out and then you kind of move on but um very soon unfortunately unfortunately my role became a little more leadership so besides seeing patients I'll also oversee other people treating help out with treatments and later also organizing and doing stuff like that and so in past years I see much less patients I still see patients every day like more difficult cases or I would work with people that came there to study channel palpation like you know uh, Josie came a few times, uh, serial, and they, I would treat with them. And so I would actually help them diagnose and they would needle after. So I would do sort of like that. And just making sure things were running okay. Were you, uh, so if you, when you were really busy, like uh, the busiest time, were you palpating every, like on one patient, all the channels, or were you just focusing on like 
what specific channel or like the main channel that you've believed was related to the chief symptom or how are you working in that like when you're on speed uh, channel with the patient speed i'm going to tell you exactly what you know i'm going to say it depends and so if somebody had a uh, musculoskeletal, well, the thing is, if somebody had a musculoskeletal issue, a clear issue, I would palpate channels that I think were involved. But sometimes you, you know, sometimes you have to do more than few channels. So it would really depend on an issue. And um, also, you know, the part of the different type of uh, hand techniques that I do or diagnostic is the point pressure to test channel like point testing. So we do that um, palpation and afterwards point testing to see if what I was doing actually helping. And if it was quite a bit, then I would kind of, it would tell me I'm on the right track and I would stop. But for internal stuff, sometimes you have to palpate more than one channel. Um, yeah, actually it was a great ability to really learn how to do this fast. And for those people that say, I don't have time to do channel palpation, it doesn't allow me a lot of time with practice actually it could save you time, I, th I think. Right, and then when you get, I, what I find like, once you get more familiar of how to palpate the channels, where they're located, it doesn't really, like if you really wanted, you could just be quite fast at palpating and feeling changes and it can still help guide your diagnosis. Like you don't have to spend like 30 minutes palpating the channels. Right? Not, not at all. And in Guatemala, I would, and because the difficulty in Guatemala was translation, so, and it's not just translation in Spanish, lots of times the people were indigenous. So we had a double translation. And once in a while we had the actual translators speak both indigenous language and Spanish. But sometimes we had one person speaking indigenous language, translating to Spanish and then from Spanish to English. So I would do all the intakes as I was palpating already. So I would say, hi, what's going on? And start palpating, take a pulse, look at time, start palpating. So the whole thing happened at the same time because the, you know, the time was, you know. Yeah. So just uh, like from the, all the patients you're treating, were, were, what kind of illnesses were you seeing? What were their common, like very, everyone was suffering from similar disorders or very varied or? Well, it's interesting. So we've, we've been doing, we've done these hornadas in two main places. One up in the mountains, which the people were a little more poor and Luma, there was a lot more people were destitute. Some villages we've gone to, people were actually hungry and stuff. But in general, conditions there are a lot related to uh, malnutrition, parasites, and a lot of neck pain, headaches, digestive stuff. A lot of young Ming issues in general in Guatemala for indigenous people. And obviously, if you work in a field or working outside all day, the water is contaminated, you're probably not drinking enough water. And when you and then you also have exposure to contaminated water. You know, it makes sense that young Ming is the big issue. A lot of young Ming, young Ming headaches, young Ming digestive stuff, uh, young young Ming young rising, you know, like like carnivore. I mean a lot a lot of stuff. Obviously, Xiaoyang and other issues, of course. Um, musculoskeletal, so Taiyang issues. But Yang Ming definitely stood out more than other channels, especially, especially in the beginning. And even with palpation, too, you're feeling a lot of things on the Yang Ming? Yeah. Were they the similar kind of changes you would find in people in like uh, North America or yeah. uh, different, same? Uh, 
different. I mean, so again, depends. But like, there's more. It depends, right? <laughs> yeah, don't give me a fist. Uh, but um, there's just the younger people that we saw the changes more and more pronounced, more uh, and because there was a lot more effect on the channel. So channels really showed stuff a lot. Now that some of the older people, really sick people we, we've seen, obviously the channels were not as, uh, not, you know, didn't show as much. Thing is, you know, we don't treat many people for malnutrition in the United States. I mean, maybe once in a while, but in general, we well fed and, and there were a lot of people, especially in the first trips of Guatemala that we came across, it was just really difficult emotionally too, because it was like, People not well fed, people with diabetes not taken, they can't afford to take insulin. So like, oh, yeah. So fascinating. I was wondering if you could maybe share with us like maybe uh, a case or two that you found out, like cases that really stood out to you that you, you found really interesting. And... <laughs> well, so the next thing we did, we went to Panacachel before I do that. And okay. so this is where we were able to see the population there it's still indigenous, but it's not as destitute. So we see all kinds of issues, the normal issues that we see in general. But again, again, uh, not as much malnutrition, but lots of young men issues because of just the heat and digestion and, um, and you know, the quality of the water. One more thing I want to bring up, though, before I go on to some cases. Okay. Um, is... So especially up in the mountains, there's lots of emotional issues. Oh, Way okay. more because of the civil war and unrest, um, there was lots of atrocities happened in Guatemala that actually I was not aware of until we went to um, to we went there. And people talk about, oh, my heart hurt. But actually what we found out, they meant they didn't have a heart chest pain. They talked about an emotional issue of losing somebody or, you know, it really deeply inf impacted, especially the population we work with. And again, uh, it wasn't as, as bad as it was uh, in the mountains up when we got to Panahachel, but still, yeah. Okay, let's move on to cases. You know, um, I'm terrible at keeping notes, as you might imagine. So we have all the, we all the records from all the treatments are in New York. But last time we were in Guatemala, um, actually there were a couple of cases that were really interesting. So I took pictures, actually took pictures of the notes. So I have uh, those cases. So those cases off the top of my head, um, kind of, I have details on it. And we, didn't I, uh, I sent you some stuff on it, you posted some. Yeah, I posted, I think, yes, a couple of them on, on Facebook on uh, the summaries of a couple of the cases. And it was really interesting, really fascinating too. Yeah, so we'll talk about them in a second if you want. Mm -hmm. There's one case, um, I remember again, I don't have all the details, but we saw a person in one of the villages because when we were in the mountains and uh, we would drive, each day would be a different village. And this guy was in military and he was on the other side from other people. You know, lots of families separated. Right, and he was fighting that actually against some members of his family. It was really, it was really traumatic. And at one point, something happened, and he had a shock. And after that, he started shaking. He had this uncontrollable, not seizures, but shaking to the point he could 
not really walk normally and he had all these shakes and stuff. Like his entire body or is it just a it's uh, like it's just the limbs or a neurological disorder you, you know if i saw him you're like oh this guy's neurological disorder mm-hmm. it's like shaking weird way of walking and stuff and um and he lay down he was also kind of shake you know kind of shaking and not being and his face would make weird grimaces and i remember um using eight extra channels and i remember looking at him at one point and he was completely still and completely not I, mean, I don't know what happened, you know, back then we only saw him once. So that's, you know, it's hard to say what happened, but at least at the time he was actually a lot calmer. And, uh, so what was your diagnosis of this patient? Oh, I forgot, but I remember he was, so it's like six years ago, but I remember, I remember it was like, this is, uh, either, uh probably like a do chant, like something like, do channel something. I mean, I don't remember. I don't remember palpation, but I remember that stood out. I mean, it was like, wow, he's lying here on the table, totally still after getting, you know, needles in and stuff. Yeah. Do you remember exactly which needles or which, well, cha- aside from the do, I can, in addition to the do, I mean. Like small distance three B62 because ah. it affected his extremities. And I did something on his head, I needled his head too, but I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think I did much more. I mean, again, I did not do a lot of meals. So okay. he was, I didn't have a viewpoint because he was lying on his back. I probably did a few needles on his head. Can you, maybe some people are not familiar with small intestine three, bladder 62. Some people aren't maybe, because I don't like Dr. Wong, his understanding, I don't know if, how similar it is to the way it's taught in schools. I'm not too sure. Is it similar or different? Well, uh, well. <laughs> and your understanding too? How would you describe this? How this point combination works? Well, most people, I mean, I think most people know that small distance three is the, you know, confluent point for the do and UB62 for the young child. And this is very common point combination. It's a very common pairing that classically people use to treat do and a young child challenge together. Most people actually always pair together, but um, you know, obviously. Uh, uh, we don't always pair them together. Eight extra channels are actually a subject that we should probably do a separate talk on. I think so. Yeah, it'd be a very good yeah. subject. The one view on eight extra channels is much, I don't want to say broader, it's, um, it's different at times because it uses a lot of ideas from Nanjing. And as a modern time, a lot of ideas come from later on. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about classical medicine since I rely on you and Jason and Nisa, the people actually can read and translate uh, on information. But yeah, it seems like the most information they use these days in modern time is came later, right? During Ming Dynasty, right? And a lot of stuff that Dr. Wong talked about is his discussion starts at Nanjing. So it's a very interesting discussion, but we should probably do a separate. Uh, I think so, yeah, yeah. Maybe the Yang Chao, like what are your, um, like maybe if you want to describe how Dr. Wong talked about the Yang Chao, you don't want to talk about that? No, it's because no, then I about the, you know, if we're going to talk about this, well, we have to talk about what are the eight extra channels. We have to discuss that. It's just... In one brief sentence, summarizing what the Yang Chao is. Uh, the the Yang Chao, at least in this case, are you laughing at me? Yeah, I'm a little laughing. It's like pulling teeth. Like just tell me what the Yang Chao, like tell, like I understand what the Yang Chao is, but I think some people might be under, interested in hearing. 
in this case, the, so one of the things the Yang Chao does, the Yin Chao and Yang Chao, and healthy maintenance Yin and Yang uh, muscle channels, or or even the, with Yin Chao, the internal uh, muscles of. But we're going to leave that aside. So Yang Chao, in this case, um, would integrate and kind of maintenance the Yang channels of the leg, the muscle channels of the leg, and so would shake in a weird movement of uh, of the channels of the leg. It seemed like the integration on the balancing the, was appropriate thing to use. I think that's why frequently the Du channel uh, is combined with Yang Chao because of this synergy in treating, you know, disorders of the spine, because frequent disorders of the spine may affect the legs and stuff. And so together, it seems to be really a useful thing to do and also in relation to the brain. I mean, yes. we could talk more about Yang Chao, you know, the relationship, yeah. you know, to the brain, to the eyes. I mean, there's quite a bit. Yeah, like, yeah, and they're both Taiyang points soon. They also enter the brain and then like the do vessel right. and his brain. And the first thing, if you think about it, yeah, as a musculoskeletal stuff there, Small distance three is definitely one of my f more favorite points, right? Uh, it's a extreme point of uh, Taiyang, and uh, that's why probably it's a confluent point for the duel, right? So, for uh, many years ago, uh, before I had a better understanding, I pretty much small distance 362 was one point that I used all the time, and sometimes. Uh, I should use something else, but I still used it. Uh, CT, who was also early, one of the early students of Dr. Wang, he, when he was my student, he used to say that, like, money prescription. I think CT used to say that because anytime anybody came in with back pain, I would just use small distance 363. This is a long time ago. I, I definitely do that now. And it's <laughs> definitely an error. But, you know, I was a younger practitioner, so mm. that's my do you ever use this combination to treat um, like psycho, psycho emotional kind of issues? Like if there's like showing like heat or excess, and then instead of using the showing, like using this as a combination to treat that. Not Have you ever you, seen that? Okay. Uh, no, but those points are good for mental emotional disorders. Mm -hmm. And so the only time I actually think of doing that is when. Uh, there's actual like uh, young quantity, like when there's a mental illness. Yeah, in those cases. And, um, or there's something related to the brain with the injury to the brain or something. Yeah, cause I think uh, like when was it? Like last year I had this patient, she had um, severe like head, head pain, like, uh, like not really headaches, but just pa like pain just here, like along the Taiyang issue, but it's mm -hmm. all rooted in some psychological issue. I think she had been, diagnosed with like being bipolar or something and she was oh, yeah, actually yeah, yeah. hospitalized for a while and like, she had this severe like she was like all oh, this pain in her head and she like had troubles like opening her eyes and so that you know i did spontaneous three bladder 62 and it helped her and emotionally too she also felt you know calmer in a way too so i that's why i was just asking that oh definitely that's definitely appropriate yeah exactly for like uh what do, how do you say the dian kwan right what do you call that yeah 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 dian kwan yeah yeah. So, so in those, and yeah, definitely I found a uh, whole Taiyang channel and especially small distance 3 v 62 really uh, could be useful in cases. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have another patient too recently, a similar kind of idea, but also like psychological issue 
or emotional kind of issue, but then there's a lot of like physical symptoms on like the Taiyang, like to like some like dizziness, kind of like lightheadedness, stiffness in the neck, things like that, but rooted in some deeper kind of psychological issues. And if you look at just the basic, actual basic symptomology that goes with the Duchong, you see there's some psychological, some wind. Right, 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 definitely. Yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, anyway, so uh, <laughs> there's another case you wanted to talk about. Is it the scorpion bite one? I still have my teeth. Um, well, should I? Um, do you remember the, the one I talked about, uh, a bite? What was the bite like? Uh, scorpion bite. I think it was a scorpion bite. I remember there's some kind of insect. I just remember there being some kind oh, of... An insect. Yeah, it was scorpion bite. I'm, looking I'm, at, I'm making it up as scorpion. It could have been something else. I don't remember. No, it was well. I mean, as far as I know, it was a scorpion bite. I mean, that's how they translate it. So, yeah, it was a young woman in her mid twenties. I'm looking at my phone now because I actually have the thing. Um, she came in, and I think I was treating. I might have been working with uh, Jane. You know, uh, Jane, uh, my wife. She's also she studied with Dr. Wang when we lived in Beijing. She studied actually with Nisa and seminars with Jason so she does patient also she, we were working together I think in this one when she came in she just got stung by a scorpion earlier that morning a uh, couple of hours it was the morning too so a couple of hours before she saw us and she went to a doctor she did I think she they gave antibiotic whatever they do antibiotic or something but she came in right away and um, interesting thing she had swelling a little swelling on her arm was right arm, like this still to the elbow. And she had um she couldn't move her hands, or swelling her hands and painful, painful hands. Um was the location of the the is it a sting, I guess? Like was it more on like the medial side of the arm or is it like the, the young side or at the medial side, yeah. So and the interesting thing, besides that she couldn't move her hand and so her lips were numb. That was really interesting. And specifically, I asked her, well, where are you? Are you numb around your lips? Like when I, where, right now I'm pointing around the, like around the mouth. But it was inside the lip. It was just like inside the actual, actual in the lip. And so anyway, did a bunch of palpation and, um, um, and joy, I came out with Joy in channel. Uh, one, because on the arm, I mean, obviously location of the bite. It was distal, yeah, it was distal. It was somewhere here because I ended up in Elon Percardium 4. Okay. And also, popping in the liver, there were changes in the liver channel and like acute changes and location of the numbness. You know, the liver circles inside the lips, right? Inside. So, and I. Sorry, I just killed the mosquito. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Hopefully there's no one like as anti like killing mosquitoes. I apologize, but they keep me up all night. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, and palpating, I remember palpating uh, liver channel. I'm like, wow. And uh, I was like, it's got to be liver related. So I remember press after yeah, I decided I was, well, I was going to needle, press some points around and see. And she thought it made actually got better. So anyway, the treatment was interesting. All I did is liver five bilateral and pericardium four on the right side. 
And then, and then the swelling in the hands, all that, that tingling. Uh, numbs. What's interesting, her hand felt better. Not completely, obviously, but better. She was, there was less pain in her hand and less swelling was better. But what was incredible, her, the lips went away. That's amazing. Like immediately, right away. Yeah, right after the treatment. That was bizarre. Um, I, uh, you know, otherwise, you know, if it just got a little better, because she came back next day and lip never came back and her hand was a lot better. That's but if awesome. she just got treated, she didn't have lip stuff, she got treated, then I'll be questioning, well, if she didn't get better right away after treatment, would the antibiotics start working or, you know. But because she got immediate results right afterwards, it was really interesting. Can you, um, some people will probably ask, why did you use PC4? Why did you use Liver 5 bilaterally? Well, I used, okay. Um, PC4 only on the affected side, right? Yes, as a Shiklev point. Mm -hmm. So I use it before Shiklev point. I want to clear toxins and he promotes really strongly circulation in the area. And Liver 5 she, bilaterally? Liver 5, so her, again, infected her lips, right? All the way around. So obviously there was systemic effect. And liver five is a low point, as you know. And you know, and so try to affect the small collaterals, the collaterals of the liver channel made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And not I would not use Shiklev point did not seem appropriate in this case, uh, because it seemed like collaterals were affected because like, you know, part of the yeah. So that's why liver five. it's like a bigger surface area of the like a broader area that was being affected on the yeah. liver channel. Wow. That's awesome. And then uh yeah, that's really amazing. And what changes did you feel again when you when you were palpating the? Do you remember at all? Like when you're palpating the drain? Uh, I, well, I remember. I'm trying to look at what. And of course, the changes. Um, I remember there were changes of pericardium channel swellings, and there were. Quite a bit of like liver two, liver three area was swollen and painful, and going along the channel, it was just quite a bit of tenderness. Not the normal stuff you see in a menstruating woman in the liver channel. There's quite a bit more like tenderness. When I see swelling and tenderness, I think of it. I sort of call it like active nodule. Something's happening to make uh, you know the change be react so reactive. So kind of like. Uh, like active change, so right, so there's something going on acutely. So there's this, there's a pain, pain and a little swelling. That's how the body reacts instead of just it's not formed nodule yet. It's not, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's more acute issue too, right? So there's more. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, Chris. So that was, that was, this is the great thing about uh, Guatemala. Besides, I mean, you know, it's very re rewarding to help people, of course, and that's why we were there. But also the learning was incredible because one, you have so many people and then people with all kinds of different things and not complaining uh, of just, uh, like people that work a lot with hands, work hard, you know, it's just a whole different thing when you work with population lists, it's really interesting. And you sometimes see cases you never see and even people, uh, non-indigenous people that travel, which a lot of travelers coming through, they travel in different countries, come up with all kinds of things. Happy you have to treat people with weird diseases that because they're not used to the climate and the environment. Yeah. 
that's interesting like it kind of reminds me of like how dr wong when he was younger he would go on those like uh every year he would go to Meun county to to train those barefoot doctors right but then he'd be there for like maybe a month at a time or sometimes even a few months at a time but living in the villages outside of beijing and then he said that was his like most like memorable time for him as and it, he learned a lot from that experience like because he was just like what you're saying he's like a primary healthcare provider for these people seeing all these kinds of cases he would never see in the cities so for him like uh he learned so much from that experience being in this in that kind of environment where you're more like a primary healthcare provider and uh and if you look at dr ron's book right and also during a lot of his lectures a lot of his stories come from that period right when he was treating these kind of villagers and all these like and you had like he has all those crazy stories right like treating right, like right. um shamans or <laughs> like that right. so i think that's yeah it's it's a, it sounds like it was an amazing experience and um yeah yeah and we did primary care we did when we first came in with the all the vitals book with lots of diabetes uh, in Guatemala, so we test for diabetes with the oxygen. We did a full workup, and somebody was really, really sick. We tried to figure out how to get them. They need immediate help with like Medicaid or something, try to get them some Western medical help. So, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and yeah, that uh, sounds like a great experience. And hopefully, like in the future, we can probably maybe just talk about this more, like more of the other cases that you've or other experiences in, in, in Guatemala. Um, it's also yeah. really interesting how you're talking about how like the like the social environment or and also like the you know climate how that affected the people's like bodies too and how their channels responded to that I think that's that's all really fascinating I think that's something we've noticed too right like when you go to different countries like that a unique environment rather social environment or like natural environment has a strong effect on their their channels right on of course but when Nisa and I taught in Spain in 2012, we were both shocked. I remember talking about, I think Nisa maybe even wrote something about it, right? Yeah, she had an article yeah. about it. Uh, yeah, she wrote an article about it. Um, it was amazing. We were, so we were in Spain and we were teaching a seminar and we were palpating with a group of around 50 people. We kept looking at each other saying, are you finding this? We were finding this crazy changes in the heart channel, which is unusual. We don't find large changes so frequently on the heart channel usually changes a small and you know this like almost not everybody but almost everybody had this like crazy changes in the heart channel and then we had to attribute it to uh you know to the weather and also food and the lifestyle spanish people are really especially where we were you know in uh, barcelona really fiery and we would have dinner at 10 11 o'clock in the evening so you're like uh, and you know, so they wouldn't sleep as much. I mean, it's like, but people are really fiery and kind of like everything kind of hard. And it was really interesting, kind of drove the point of like, wow, channels really do respond differently in different areas. And, and yeah, yeah, and the environment makes a huge difference. That's amazing. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. Yeah, I was in Spain uh, last year or two years ago. Same thing. I found like, because I, I remember hearing you and Nisa mention that. And then so I, Paid particular attention to the heart channel. And I was like, you feel like big changes like at heart seven, like heart six, heart five. I, I was shocked because usually they're subtle, right? They're like little crispy yeah. stuff, little sticks. And were you, you were in Madrid, right? Yeah, I was in Madrid, but there are people from all over Spain. So they're like from all parts of Spain that were so there. So it's, I wonder if it's not just because of, you know, the part of 
it's just the lowest pain maybe that's who knows yeah, yeah it seemed like over 80 percent of the people had that heart channel stuff more unusual i've never told a seminar when i saw that have you no 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 yeah especially on the heart channel like i think it's very common right. to find like tying channel changes oh, right of course yeah 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 i'm talking about specifically heart channel yeah 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 fascinating i think yeah i found it fascinating so um maybe we'll just end this episode now today that'll be the end of this one and then we'll um we'll just continue our discussions with Yifim where, where you know he has a lot of experience to share so um it's hard to squeeze it all into this into one short episode but um well, thank you john always love chatting with you 